winners win. Winners find a way to win. And that might not mean, you know, that they win every event. And it might not even mean that they win the, the CrossFit Games. But what I mean by that is like winners, uh, champions find a way to perform at the highest level possible that they can in each moment that they're out there. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX and your host. I believe that to fulfill your potential, whether that's an athlete, as a coach, or in any other area of your life, your goals must equally focus on who you are, not just what you want to achieve. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I responded. Today on the Limitless Athlete Podcast, you'll be listening to a conversation between Adam Neifer, coach of CrossFit Games champ Justin Medeiros and myself. Throughout the episode, Adam routinely reinforces that in order to succeed, we must create an idea not only of what we want to achieve, but also who we need to be in order to get there. We discuss how he's done that both as a coach and a box owner, but also in how he's helped Justin Medeiros, winner of the CrossFit Games in 2021, to do this for himself. The reason that we must aim at developing our character skills is threefold. First, what you achieve is always a product of who you are. Second, what you achieve is out of your control in the end, but who you are is always in your control. And finally, developing your character skills will transfer to every single area of your life not in just the domain of your goals. You'll literally be a better person for it. This may sound like it's something for elite athletes only, but we should all have a crystal clear vision of both what we want for life and who we're aiming at becoming. In addition to aiming at who, not just what, Adam and I also discuss how the early years of life form the baseline of personality, but why that's not an excuse to give up why no one else stood a chance against Matt Fraser, the application letter Adam forced Justin to write him in order to work together and why he did that, and how to develop values alongside your goals. The first half of the podcast is a must-listen for coaches, and the second half is where we focus on the work as an athlete. Alongside this episode, we'll also be releasing a partner episode, The Debrief, where Mindset RX head coach Rachel and myself help you apply the lessons within this podcast to your training and your wider life. We'll also be pulling out the key ideas you may have missed and discussing how you can use this conversation and the wisdom within it to train your mindset to become a limitless athlete. Now, back onto the show with CrossFit Games team athlete, coach, brilliant all-round nice guy, Adam Neifer. So welcome to the show officially. It's a real pleasure to have you on board. Um, let's start things right back at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in, uh, in Eastern Oregon, uh, kind of all over. 
people think of Oregon, they think just uh, green and lush and raining all the time. I grew up out in the desert uh, in kind of the, the sagebrush and on different farms is uh, kind of my background. And what sporting events were going on when you were a kid? Oh, man. When I was a kid, so actually growing up on the farm, like we started doing manual labor, like working for my dad at a very young age, like honestly, as, as young as I can remember. And uh, and I, th- I want to say it was my first experience with sports was in third grade. Uh, I got to play basketball. And from then on, um, my brothers and I, we we played every sport every season that we could. Um, not that we didn't love working on the farm, but it also gave us a chance to interact with our friends and, uh, you know, do something competitive. And so we pretty much played, uh, you know, for me, it was like basketball, football. Um, that, those are kind of my two main things I like to play. Yeah. And your dad was he, I'm guessing his main job was farming. It wasn't like a side hustle. So he, that's now, now that's his main deal. He, uh, when I was growing up, he was also a school teacher. Yeah. Along with my mom as well. Yeah. And what was, what was his mentality? Like, did he pass down any lessons? What was it like being his kid? <laughs> um, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk about mentality a lot, but he definitely lived uh, or still lives a life of like um, just hard work. Yeah. That's, that's probably the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Is that something you picked up? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I learned, learned a lot from my dad at a young age and just, uh, you know, doing a good job with things, taking pride in what you do. Yeah. That's, that must be something that transfers over to what you do right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I definitely feel like, you know, on the farm, it was like, if we're out building a fence, it's like, uh, we're going to make that thing straight. Uh, yeah. is it gonna, is it gonna make the cows stay in better if it's straighter versus like a little crooked? I don't know, but it was just kind of the way we did stuff. And, uh, so yeah, I, I don't, it's not something that like my dad and I had talked about the my, mindset or kind of our mental approach, but uh, definitely just the idea of like, Hey, we value hard work. And if, if we're going to do it, it's worth doing well are things that were just like kind of ingrained in my family. Um, like at a young age, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Do you remember any specific examples of times when that was like, Oh yeah. Like, that's dad and, and mom maybe really like showing that ethos of hard work. Oh man. I think, uh, so like one of my earliest memories is my mom. Uh, she was in college actually getting her teaching degree. And, um, my dad, in order to make that happen, took a, a job at the local mill, like the sawmill. And he was working at night, um, so that my mom could go to school during the day. And then there was me and my two brothers, and uh, I remember my dad, he was working the night shift and I remember him trying to like get some sleep on the couch and me and my two brothers just being little rascals and jumping on him and, uh, like, uh, you know, just like causing trouble and he wasn't able to rest and stuff like that. And, you know, at the time I didn't think anything of it, but looking back now, and now that I have kids, I'm like, wow, like the sacrifice they made, um, you know, and the, the life that they lived, it was, it was, it would be very challenging. And, uh, I, just appreciate it more now than I did, you know, when I was four years old, jumping on my dad while he's trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like it's interesting, right? Cause we're very rarely given explicit lessons. Like, okay, this is how you think about challenge. This is why you got to work hard. We kind of pick up the environment that we work in 
and maybe it's or we sorry that we pick up the environment that we are um brought up in and especially with primary caregivers like parents it's like oh okay like this is this is like important like this is this is something that we all do and this is are normal um do you apply those or how do you apply those lessons now or is it i'm guessing it's not even a guessing it's not even a choice for you it's just something that you do right yeah that i think so you know and as a now that i am a parent too i'm i'm, I'm actually like I've, i have so many questions for my parents i'm like how did this happen like i remember um so <laughs> like another story just from my childhood both of my brothers um had perfect attendance in in school um I, I did not, I was actually, I would, I would work on, uh, I'd work on the farm or on other farms, uh, to get out of school sometimes, but like, we all, uh, like, I think we all had like a 4.0 GPA in high school. I don't know if they have that in uh, where you're at, but, um, basically like valedictorians of our classes at our schools. And like, and we always just, when we were, um, even doing our homework and stuff like that, we're always just like, making sure it was the best thing possible, like the best thing that we were capable of, because there wasn't really another way to do it. There was never like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, turn something in last minute halfway. It just was never, that was never an option. Um, and I, and it wasn't something that like our parents forced on us. It was just, like you say, a product of the environment that we grew up in. And I don't know how they created that um, or if it happened, like, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be by accident if, you know, maybe that was kind of a product of how they were raised, but it wasn't really something that we we talked about. Yeah, it, it very rarely is. It's just something yeah. that's kind of passed down through through action and then mimicking. And that's yeah. generally how like 50% of beliefs are kind of created. And then we have to okay. like work on the other 50%. We have to like, okay, I've run into my own limits. I've kind of encountered my own BS. Now, how do I, how do I deal with that? Yeah, um, gotcha. So you mentioned, was it football and basketball? Right. Yeah. How did, how did playing those go? Like, did you, what kind of level did you get to? Um, so <laughs> I, I don't, I've never been the, the best of athletes, but, uh, I've always, um, been able to any success that I, that I have had in sports. Um, like I said, same thing in school, just came from working hard at it. Never been like the most naturally talented athlete, never the biggest, never the strongest, never the fastest, that type of thing. But I was super fortunate to be able to play, um, play football uh, after high school. I went to college and I got to play football at a, a division three uh, college in um, Wisconsin, actually. And uh, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Also uh, had a coach there that was just a huge uh, mentor and uh, outside of my dad, one of the biggest influences in my life. Yeah. Tell me about him. Uh, you know, he was, he was a, uh, he had been coaching college football for a long time. Uh, he was the reason that I went out to school in Wisconsin, kind of moved across the country and, and went out there. And, uh, and I don't know exactly why, other than when I met with him and I visited with him, I was like, man, I want to play football for this guy. Like I want to be on this guy's team. And um, it was, it was interesting just because that was my mindset for four years when I was in college is like, I will, I will run through a wall. I will die for this coach because um, he's a person that I have so much uh, love and respect and thankfulness that he gave me the opportunity to do this. And uh, yeah, it's just like, obviously same, same for like my teammates, like do anything for those guys as well. But, um, but yeah, his name is coach Ed. He, um, he retired the last year that I was, 
in college. And I just remember being like, man, I am so thankful that I got to play for him this last year versus him having retired earlier um, while I was there. Looking back at it now, like it's, it's, it's always interesting to like reflect back on why we made the decisions we made and kind of like sometimes we figure out, okay, why was I so like enamored with this person? I've certainly got coaches that I'm like, Oh wow. I just, I see how um, open he was and like willing to coach and be vulnerable and to, to kind of give a um, really connect and put the effort in with, with me. There's a few people that I, I'm aware of like that. Like what was it, what drew you to him? You know, I think, yeah, I, I think it was just the fact that, um, yeah, he, he didn't seem to be one of those coaches that was just like, hey, I want to try to get as many people as I can here and, um, you know, we'll see who works out. He literally, he just, it felt, he felt like he cared about me. Um, when I was, you know, an 18-year-old kid trying to figure out where I was going to go to college, he was, um, you know, not just interested in uh, the athlete. He was interested in, like, developing the person. And I just felt like, yeah, man, this guy, this guy's the real deal. He's not just some guy up there talking and trying to tell me what I want to hear to make me come to this college. Um, he was, uh, he was, he really never even sold me on, on trying to go to school there. And maybe that was a big part of it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, man, like you said, it's hard to put your finger on why, the, why I made that decision when I did, but it just felt right. Do you think, like, if you think back to your time working under him or studying under him, however you want to phrase it, like, what do you, yeah. what kind of memories come up? Oh man, just how, how much of a privilege and a pleasure it was for me to, to learn from and play for him. Um, I, I enjoyed, of course, in football, you know, football, there's not a lot of uh, actual games. I think you play, you know, 10 or 12 games in a season. So you have a lot of time preparing and practicing for those, for those games. Um, and I loved every minute of practice. Um, we got to compete regularly. I mean, every day was, was, uh, like I said, an opportunity to compete. And I love being in that environment. I love the, uh, yeah, just the challenge of like going to practice daily and trying to get better and contribute to your team. He, he talked a lot about being, uh, uh, his, his phrase was a, a happy warrior, like being okay. that person. Yeah. And yeah, that's cool. I, just, I like that. It, yeah, super cool. And I, I wish I, I wish that I had written down some of the pregame speeches that he would talk about being a happy warrior, but just basically going out there and, and going to war with your brothers. But at the same time, no matter what happens, um, just keeping that like that that positive demeanor that is like, hey, I'm. Uh, it's not about me. It's about continue to help this team uh, no matter what happens good bad or otherwise do you remember any specific interactions with them where because you, you mentioned um essentially like being seen and being made to feel special and like that you really felt heard and um and witnessed and like for athletes of all levels it's so important like from people for the first first day in the gym to people like justin for example like there's there's like everyone wants to feel special and heard and like understood so like do you remember any times where he was like where he's, he was speaking to you or any interactions you had with him where it's like oh he, he, he gets me yeah like honestly uh the very first kind of like inner squad scrimmage that we did um i was a freshman uh wasn't wasn't expecting to get a lot of playing time or uh be a starter or any like that anything like that 
but um, we were doing our, our scrimmage within our team and uh, I made a bonehead play. Like I, I hit this guy early and uh, every official on the field threw a, a, a yellow flag in the air. So it's an obvious penalty. And he came up and he grabbed my face mask and he's like, knife or what, what are you, what are you doing out there? What are you thinking? And I was like, coach, uh, my, my bad. I, I thought I, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember what he said. He's like, well, that's your own teammate. You're not, don't hit him early like that, but I like your aggressiveness, you know? And so clearly I had made a, made a major mistake and, uh, you know, uh, caused a penalty that would, you know, if it were in a game would be detrimental to the team, but he's like, Hey, think about it, but don't, uh, don't change the way that you're approaching things in terms of being in attack mode and being aggressive. And so even though it was a mistake that I made, he turned it into like, yeah, there's a learning experience here. But uh, don't let that mistake um, influence the like the aggressiveness or the attack that you're that you're in, and uh, and hold on to that. So he turned something that was a mistake into like a positive learning experience for me, and uh, I remember that. And and I've talked to him about it later. He was like, at that point, that's that was a a turning point in you kind of moving up into a um, a more prominent role or more significant role on the team. Yeah, that's that's such a cool coaching moment because it's like you hear of coaches the whole time it's like that's crap don't do that again <laughs> like yeah. and you're like oh, okay well that's useful i'll just try and avoid this and it becomes like it gets in your head and it's like okay don't do this don't do this don't do this and we kind of yeah or, or you're afraid to mess up right yeah you exactly. become afraid afraid to make mistakes and he was like he, he created an environment where it's like no mistakes happen and, and they're they're not a bad thing uh they're an opportunity to learn Nice. Nice. And that must be something that you use the whole time or something that is a constant reminder when, whenever you're coaching at whatever level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Something that, uh, yeah, yeah. Just like trying to find, uh, you know, when, when things happen that maybe our, our human nature is like, Oh, this is, this is not the outcome I was looking for. It's like, okay, well, you know, what, uh, what can you learn from it? There's, there's so many opportunities like that. Exactly. I, th- I think that is what coaching is. It's like, it's like just finding the opportunities to grow. That's, that's yeah. really a, a key element of it. Did I read somewhere that you were a firefighter at some point? Yeah. 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 That's a, uh, that's what when I did, did prior happen? to coaching CrossFit. Yeah. When, like what, how did you get into that? Like, what was the, what was the point you decided to, to start? Um, so I guess when I was, uh, even, even prior to, uh, to go into college, I, uh, or right around when I started college, I started, um, logging as well, like working in the woods, um, with a chainsaw, just again, manual labor. And, uh, in the, in the Northwest logging and firefighting are kind of going hand in hand now. Um, just in the sense that like logging is, a um, basically a method of forest management. And, um, you know, people think of logging is just out there cutting down all the trees in the forest. But, um, my experience, uh, working in logging was, um, thinning the trees and creating a healthier environment for the forest. And, um, and so I, that's how I started. And then, uh, while I was in college, I started uh, fighting fire on a, um, just an engine, uh, for the, uh, the forest service here. And then, uh, after college, um, started doing that professionally full-time. Yeah. So I've never been in a, like fire department or anything like that. And I don't know how the hierarchy works, but like, what was it like in that team? Oh man. So, Again, I kind of like how I described when I had the opportunity to play college football, like uh, just being a part of a team that I was on. It's called a, it's called a hotshot crew. And basically you have, um, you have 20 people on your crew, 
Um, there's uh, yeah, a very uh, organized structure to the management from the superintendent to kind of two, two foremen, crew foremen. And then you have like squad bosses and then you have senior firefighters and then you have kind of the, um, you know, the, the ground pounders. And uh, my job was literally to, uh, I had a chainsaw in my hands for, for a couple of years and that's what I did is cut. Yeah. So basically cut trees, cut brush, whatever needed to happen um, in, in that, uh, yeah, in that environment. And really each person on the crew has a very specific task within the crew to help, um, you know, uh, help the crew perform whatever the, the job or the, uh, the objective is for that day. It's very mission oriented. Yeah. I imagine it's feel, well, there's a lot of responsibility in each row, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in my role, it was mostly, uh, like I say, like grunt, grunt work. I wasn't really in charge of a whole lot of decision-making at the time, but, uh, but I knew my role super well. And I was, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the opportunity to do it. And then where did CrossFit come into this? So CrossFit came in, uh, it was right about the end of 2005. I had, um, I'd finished up my last year of playing, um, football in college and, at the time, I actually did not like working out, um, really didn't enjoy it. Uh, I went to the gym every day in college for four years um, because I knew it would make me better at my sport and it would make me a better football player. But I never went there thinking like, oh, man, I can't wait to go work out. Right. I went there looking at it as almost more as a job or a chore. It wasn't something that I looked forward to. It wasn't something that I really was passionate about or enjoyed. And then when I got done playing football, uh, it was like, shoot. This is not something that I need to do on my schedule anymore. I'm not like, you know, I, I would never miss a day of training because if I did, I felt like I would be letting down my teammates or my coach or myself. So I always hit those football training workouts. Then um, after that, I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of lost. I went down to the weight room and I was like, well, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not training for football. I don't know what to do anymore. And uh, my brother at the time, uh, Jake, he, he was like, hey, I found this thing called CrossFit. You should check it out. And he literally had found it on the internet. He wasn't going to a gym or he didn't know anybody else doing it. And so um, he and I just started following um, the main page, CrossFit.com. And uh, it was actually, uh, this, this is a long story, but it was my roommate uh, in college. His name's Colin McLean. And we did our first CrossFit workout together in 2005. And then he actually came out and fought fire. We fought fire together for years um, and uh, did CrossFit together there. And, uh, now, um, you know, it's been literally 20 years since we were uh, first roommates in college. Uh, he and I work together every day. So he's, he's head coach at our gym. And uh, nice. I did a lot of ways, like we were, we were college roommates. We were teammates. We fought fire together. And now, uh, like I said, I work for him at our gym. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. 2005, that's pretty, that, that's pretty much the start. Like it's, 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 you go a long way back within CrossFit then. Um, Stand a CrossFit question. What was your first workout? Do you remember it? Yeah, Angie. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's in that order. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, and actually that's part of what drew me to CrossFit is I had been doing these football workouts for years and uh, training um, in some pretty standard kind of old school strength conditioning style and thought I was in decent shape, thought I was a decent athlete and uh, did this workout, Angie, and was super humble. And for some reason, that experience was like, wow, like that was cool. I, I'm really bad at this. And uh, like, 
instead of being like, oh, I don't want to do that ever again, I was like drawn toward, you know, when you, you see something that you don't want to look at, but you keep looking at it or like, uh, I don't know, it was just one of those things where I was like, dang, that, that really surprised me, it humbled me. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to do that more. It's quite interesting when you have this identity of like, oh, this is who I think I am, like a fit person. And then something yeah. like CrossFit comes in and smashes you from the side. Like, oh, smashes okay. like, you. yeah, complete ego, like drop. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I, I remember that workout and it, it took, uh, I mean, it was close to an hour for both of us. We were just like, uh, <laughs> in the pain cave and like huddled around a garbage can. Cause we thought we were going to do it in like five, 10 minutes or something. Um, but from there, we, you know, we had a little bit of college left. We did some CrossFit there. Um, actually, uh, also had a coach on my football team there that was like, Hey, you should, you should come out for track. And I was like, coach, I've never done track in my life. And he was like, yeah, come on out. I want you to try high jumping and sprinting because my senior season of football was over and track was in the spring. So I did that, learned a ton and was doing CrossFit at the same time. And then when we went to fight fire, um, it took a while, but when we implemented CrossFit into our, into the crew, um, more and more of us started doing it. And, uh, it was amazing. Like we, we got better, um, at our jobs physically, which, and it's already a super physical job. I mean, you're, you're working typical days are like 16 hours of just, um, yeah, hard work, uh, hiking, hot weather, uncomfortable conditions. Um, and you're, uh, you're covering, you know, steep terrain and carrying heavy packs all day, every day. Um, most days are 16 hour days and you typically work like 14 days in a row and then you have two days off and then you're back on for 14. And, um, man, when we started doing CrossFit, not only were we better at our jobs physically, but, um, yeah, like we had more fun doing it. Our camaraderie as a team, um, went up, we had this like sense of like, nobody's going to outwork us when we get out to the fire line. Like we're going to, we're going to be the crew that other crews are like, man, how are they still going? How are they doing that? And I, I truly believe CrossFit was a, a huge part of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of what I'm trying to do is is figure out how you got to this point where you, essentially you you demonstrate like this belief system of like hard work, of integrity, of of discipline, and it's like all the pieces are coming together now. It's like okay, firefighting, um, like paternal influence, definitely like your, your dad's influence on you and probably your mom too, like coach Ed, like all these things For like sure. building into like, Oh, okay. This is how, this is how you became you. And like the, like not perfectionism, but the, the focus on um, quality and being effective. And it's really interesting to see. So how did this all build to becoming a coach? So yeah, when we were fighting fire, uh, got to kind of implement CrossFit with the crew. And uh, that was, like I said, one of the, one of the most enjoyable parts of my job was getting to see, um, myself and my teammates around me improve, you know, physically and mentally and as a team through CrossFit. And then, um, I started coaching CrossFit, uh, part-time in the off season. So fire season in, in the West here is like, you know, kind of our season would be like May through November. And then, um, we'd get laid off for the off season. And during that time I had an opportunity to go in and actually, uh, go into a CrossFit gym called CrossFit Portland. And, um, there's a, a couple there named Scott and Rochelle Hagness. And at first I was just going in there to train a little bit in the off season. Um, and then, uh, I got my level one, uh, and they gave me the opportunity to, to contribute to that community through coaching. And that's when I really saw like, wow, like, yeah. Implementing CrossFit for the firefighting crew that I was on was, was, 
remarkable, but the impact, you know, the positive impact that this thing can make on everyday people is, uh, is literally life-changing. And, uh, so that's where I kind of fell in love with the coaching side of CrossFit. Yeah. When did you get your level one? What year was it? Ooh, I think it was at the beginning of 08. Yeah. yeah right around there. Sweet. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. in 08. Yeah. Like what was that first, like obviously level one seminars changed a lot in that time. Um, it's still the same fundamentals, but like how, like, what was that like? What was it like going to that level one? Uh, again, very humbling. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I'd been doing CrossFit for long enough at that time that I, I thought I knew, like, I thought I knew what I was doing and, and, uh, I thought I was doing some stuff pretty well. And then, uh, you go to something like level one and you're like, yeah, you're like, nope, I've been doing CrossFit, but I can do it so much better. Right. There's uh, there's so much to learn. And, uh, I remember a, like a super homely experience. I don't, I don't know exactly how to do level one now, but, um, at that time we always did Fran as, um, one of the workouts on day one. And, um, I remember just being like, so fired up to like smash everything and just like go really fast and doing Fran. And I like clean, <laughs> it's, it's so funny looking back. Cause there was like a couple of the level one coaches that were standing around watching us and, uh, or coaching, I should say. And, uh, I remember cleaning the 95 pound barbell for the very first thruster on Fran. And I like, uh, I was excited. And I just like lost my balance and literally fell over backwards <laughs> with the bar. <laughs> and, uh, that was the start to, uh, you know, my very first rep in Fran at the CrossFit level one. And it's like, well, Hey, that happened. Check your ego and uh, get back to work. Right. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great start. Yeah. Exactly how I pictured it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so when did CrossFit uh, Fort Vancouver come about and, and how did you transition into, into that role? Yeah, that was, um, so we actually opened our affiliate in 2009. Um, like in, uh, March of 2009, I think is when we officially opened our doors and, uh, yeah, it was the type of thing where I was living here in Vancouver, Washington. I was coaching at, at CrossFit Portland. Um, there were no gyms here in Vancouver. And, and um, with the, the staff, the owners at CrossFit Portland, um, they were all about also having a location in Vancouver. Um, we had considered doing uh, just another branch of the same gym. And that didn't really work out with the organization structure from CrossFit HQ at the time. So um, decided to, uh, yeah, in the kind of the bottom of the recession in 2009, we're like, oh, let's open a gym. We'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, at that time it was, it was definitely a leap of faith. I, I loved fighting fire. My, uh, my superintendent from the hotshot crew was super supportive and he was like, Hey, this is something you should do. Um, if, uh, if for some reason things don't work out, like you'll always have, uh, the opportunity to come back and work in the job, you know, uh, a similar role that you had. And so, uh, he was definitely supportive of it, encouraged me to, to, to give it a shot. And, at the time it was like, I didn't have any experience in business. So there was, it was literally like, Hey, uh, I want to help people. I think CrossFit is a great way to do that. Let's, uh, let's find a warehouse in Vancouver, sign a lease and, uh, let's, let's see what happens basically. And, uh, that was 12 years ago. We're still, we're still up and kicking. So it's yeah. pretty cool. What, what were those first few days like, um, that to feel you feel you and my my story with opening an affiliate was kind of similar in as much as i was in the military at the time and as a reservist so i was kind of like half in half out and like kind okay. of go away for a few weeks or go away for a weekend or whatever and then i was um trying to establish a gym and i had zero like business credentials whatsoever and i just kind of assumed that you know i'll, I'll start a box 
people flood to me and then I'll have the best and I'll be able to train for like 10 hours a day. Um, and that was, that was the goal. And then because of my zero business acumen and, and a kind of a few strokes of, um, luck that went against me, like I lost everything. So like that possibility is real. And yeah. it's, it's like, you I'm guessing I'm not the first person you've heard say a version of that story. So like, what was the, what was the first few, um, few days, few weeks, few months like? Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like you described it. You're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to build this thing and they'll come right. Like it's going to be, it's going to be easy or whatever. Uh, and at the time you don't know what you don't know, but, um, you know, the, the first, I mean, the first day I can, I can think about that. Uh, we had, we didn't have much equipment and it's funny thinking back about, you know, opening a CrossFit affiliate. Now people know or have an expectation of what CrossFit is back then. Nobody had heard of it. Nobody, nobody, or very few people, I should say, knew what they were getting into. So we had basically an empty warehouse, um, cement floor. There's no rubber mats on the floor. Um, we had welded, uh, we had welded up our own pull-up rig. Um, so everything was kind of homemade. We had most of the equipment that we did have, which was very little came from like Craigslist or, uh, stuff that I just had around, um, you know, when I was training, uh, in the summers from college, just, you know, old, uh, barbell, maybe, um, some metal weights, and really we didn't have enough to do much. So I remember, um, the first few workouts and we followed crossfit.com, um, there at the beginning was like, okay, if there's a barbell movement, we'll do it with dumbbells. And, uh, so the very first day it was like, um, the workout was DT, which is a hero workout. Uh, and it was just me and my, at the time, uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, but it was just the two of us, um, on the first day. And, you know, we wrote the workout up on the whiteboard and we did the workout and that, that was it. First day um, business tick. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, nobody was there. Nobody else was there. And we started doing kind of, uh, I think we, I don't remember what we called it at the beginning, but an onboarding program. And, uh, when we announced that happening and I don't even remember how we got the word out, there was no real, real marketing, but, um, I think three out of our first people, three out of our first four were, uh, were military like yourself. Right. Um, and many of our first members were, uh, either, you know, had a firefighting background or, or maybe police officer or some sort of public service where fitness was, um, you know, a requirement for their job. Yeah. And it's almost like that it kind of self-selects or CrossFit self-selects for those people who in a similar way do Angie and get smashed by it and then go, you know what? I want more of that. <laughs> like that, that was fun. Give me, give me a bit more of that. There's something about it. Um, it it's fascinating to see. It is. It is. And I sometimes wonder about that because now, you know, I think about, you know, 12 years later and how much we've learned and, you know, <laughs> we don't have people do Angie on their first day in the CrossFit gym, right? That's just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's a, that's something that's, that's how I got into it. And it, it worked out, you know? So, uh, sometimes I wonder about like, Oh, maybe, maybe somebody's first exposure to CrossFit should be more, uh, more rugged. Yeah. I know what you mean my, my first one was, uh, Fran and with those kind of, do you remember those barbells you had to put a pin through the middle so they wouldn't break it. You kind of slid two pieces together Oh yeah, yeah. with some like crappy metal weights. And I remember trying to do thrusters and like, oh, I, I'm so glad I can't see, I think I didn't work 30 kilos. So what's that? 75 pounds or something. Cause I just, <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't get the front rack and the squat and like <laughs> yeah. strict pull-ups. I was like, I'm going to do this strict and just proper military style down up. Yeah. And then like being sick on the floor outside, like I can remember the frost and the hat like on the, on the grass like against my hands and face it's like it's an intense start but from that moment I was like, yeah this is this is for me 
Yeah. And there's something to be said for that. I can relate to like doing Angie, like we didn't, we never heard of a kipping pull-up. So you're just trying to do as many as you can, as strict as you can. And uh, over the course of years, over the course of some years, you learn some, some different technique, (laughs) but I definitely appreciate the background that I had in, in CrossFit kind of learning it from that, like, like you said, just, um, kind of uh very rudimentary you know you figure it out like nobody nobody necessarily showed us how to do everything obviously there's lots of coaching opportunities along the way since then but at the beginning it was more it was just very raw very pure like oh this is a hard workout uh i feel like there's some room to grow here let's do it yeah yeah it's a fascinating community and i think like you must have brought about that culture as well you said um the fellow coach is he your co-owner as well um the from the from the fire team uh head coach at the gym oh, yeah head coach okay so he's yep. um he's obviously got part of that culture too what's the culture at fort vancouver like i've been impressed with um one of our one of our athletes who's also one of your athletes um she's oh, yeah. got this kind of growth mindset that's very aware and comfortable with negative feedback and like she's very open to it so it's cool to see um but i'm guessing this is something that you've either is important for you or something that you've tried to create um and put forward yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. It's, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to like, I don't know. It's hard to explain the culture of, uh, of what mm-hmm. our affiliate is like. I think probably other people would do a better job of that than me, but we have been very intentional about the, the values that are important to us and the, um, the kind of uh, athletes that we want to create. And, and it turns out it's not really about, it's not nearly as much about performance as is about, you know, growing as people. And um, really just becoming a family of, of people that are, um, you know, invested in one another's success. Mm. That's lovely. Like it's, it's really cool to, to hear that. It's, it's such a community element. Is this something yeah. that you've had trouble with creating or is it something that I think you've demonstrated yourself maybe? Um. I wouldn't say something we have trouble had trouble creating, but I would say, um, you know, early on uh, in CrossFit for Vancouver's existence, um, it wasn't something that was as intentional as it is now, um, if, if that makes sense. So um, now, you know, we talk about our values of being humble, hungry, and awesome and, and what those mean um, to, to our community. And, Um, it's something that we actually like discuss or have a conversation about like within the first couple weeks of somebody being a member of our gym. Um, early on, we didn't have those conversations. It just was, it just kind of happened. Um, but it was, uh, like I said, less intentional than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a difficult, it can be a difficult thing to, to communicate to people, but the way you've done it. And I, th- I remember seeing it on a photo of yours, actually, um, it's in the background, um, humble, hungry yeah. and awesome. Um, what does that mean to you? Like what, why, why those three? Man, that's a, that's a great question. It's something that we spent, uh, I mean, months and months as a team trying to decide how we wanted to quantify or, uh, you know, just sum up who we are into, into this culture. And so, you know, you kind of start with, uh, you know, what are your values? Who are you? What's your mission? Um, what do you actually, why are you doing what you're doing? And so, you know, what we, what we kind of summed it up to is creating a family of humble, hungry, awesome people that love others and live healthy lives to the fullest. 
and each one of those pieces, you know, uh, behind the scenes, we can pull out and talk for hours about what those things mean. But humble, hungry, and awesome are basically the three words that we felt like um, best sum up who we are and what we want to strive to be. So humble, really being uh, others before self, um, then being being hungry is like constantly having that growth mindset um, for for improvement. And then being awesome is just being the type of person that other people want to be around. Um, it's, it, it's pretty simple, uh, but it's something that we've uh, we've really embraced as a, a coaching team at our affiliate, and hopefully um, use literally daily to help guide our decisions and how we how we operate. Yeah, you've got a really clear, clean vision of not only what you want to achieve, but who you need to be to get there. And I think like right. that's that's the most important part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's really cool so i'm gonna to have to skip through a few questions because otherwise i'm gonna completely run out um the or, or run out of time but sean, no I, was worries, sean I was speaking to sean woodland um from talking elite fitness and he's he said about you he, like we're talking about coaching and knowing your own limits and he said you're the first person to ask for outside help um when when you need it um can you give or when have you done this when have, when are you looking for people to come in and um maybe in particular coaching justin um like when it when are you like finding your own limits and how have you done this in the past oh man this is that's actually i'm glad you asked about that it's it's actually a really a really easy thing for me in the sense that like okay my job in coaching justin is to help justin be the best crossfit athlete that he can be and you know when he when we first um, when we first met, he had like uh, well, a couple years left of college, and he was like, "Hey, my dream is to qualify for the CrossFit Games before I graduate from college. Because once that happens, I'm, uh, you know, I, I got to move on with my life, go get a job, and and uh, you know, get get started on whatever happens in life after that." Uh, and so I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my ability to help you achieve that goal." and become the best CrossFitter that you can be, um, during the time that we have. And, you know, the first, uh, the first, like, I don't know, year and a half, something like that. It was like, okay, this is, it's, it's all within my scope of there's lots of room for improvement. Obviously Justin was doing lots of things well already, but there's lots of room for improvement and let's, um, let's just focus on chipping away at kind of the low hanging fruit and make progress everywhere we possibly can. Um, but very early on when he actually got to come and uh, live with us and train in person um, at our affiliate, it was like, okay, we have a, we have a coach that's a, an Olympic weightlifting coach that um, his name is coach Eric and he's on staff with us. He's, he's from American Samoa and represented his country at the Olympics in Barcelona and Atlanta. So in 1992 and 1996, he literally competed in the Olympics in Olympic weightlifting. And so it's like, Hey, pretty much all of Justin's weightlifting sessions, uh, coach Eric loads the bar for him. He watches every lift he's there. And he, uh, like for me to not, uh, want to, you know, uh, I guess utilize coach Eric's expertise to help Justin grow would be just a mistake on my part. So to think I could just do a better job of that, um, than coach Eric is like, no, that's, that's not the way it is. Right. Um, and I, and I, I love Olympic weightlifting, but, uh, it's one of those things where, man, it's some, it's a place where coach Eric can really, really contribute. And then, um, after he went to the CrossFit games in 2020, 
it was like, okay, what is, um, what is Justin's he's, he doesn't have any like huge, huge, huge holes anymore, but what is the thing that's holding him back most in his fitness physically? And it's, um, upper body pressing strength. And I'm like, okay, who's the guy that I know that can, um, that can help move the needle the most in that area. It's uh, a friend of mine that I've known for a long time named Jesse Buffano. And he's uh, basically, he's a CrossFitter. Um, he's a CrossFit coach, but he's also a, a, a super knowledgeable uh, powerlifting coach. And he knows how to get people stronger than anybody else that I've ever met. And so I'm like, I want that guy on our team. So he started helping us out. And it's just like, yeah, if I'm being true to Justin, I'm being honest about like, hey, my job is to help you get as good as you can be. Then I want to seek out people that know more about, you know, specific uh, disciplines within our sport than me. Right. I can't, I'm, I'm not an expert in everything. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to try to be that. So there are people that I think have so much value to our team and um, you know, having their involvement is just such a, a powerful tool. And then it, it changes my job a little bit And now, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, coaches are a lot of different things in CrossFit. A lot of coaches, I think are programmers. Then there are some people that are, you know, like yourself are coaching mindset. There are people that are, that are coaching, um, kind of the competition, uh, you know, strategy or whatever you want to call it. But, um, for me, it's like, uh, I'm Justin's overall coach and I'm going to be the person that fits all the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, and so that's, uh, that's my role. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you show there is this, uh, again, it, it comes down to those three words. Well, one of those three words, humility, like you're humble, like you are like, you're recognizing your limits and the ego of a coach often wants to go, Hey, I know everything. Like I've, yeah. I've made that mistake in the past. And it's like, I've gone, Oh, I can, I can cover all these bases. And I know plenty of other athletes have, um, how do you, recognize when you've hit your limits of of kind of where you know and your potential because there's this area of growth right it's like if i'm doing something that's challenging for me um that is that i just kind of like on that threshold of whether i'm capable or not like then maybe it's maybe this is where i should be operating but when i overstep that then i definitely shouldn't be working there and it's quite a it's a blurry line like what are you watching out for maybe it's not a conscious process but like what, what do you think about that no, that, that's a great question. That's, um, I mean, it's, I, I've, you hear the phrase fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just like, Oh, pretend until it, it works out. Um, that, that doesn't resonate with me as much of like, you know, I think like as coaches and I, I don't think this is unique to coaching, say, uh, a CrossFit games athlete. I think this is coaching at every level. Um, you know, even from when we think back to like the first time that we had an opportunity to coach somebody else in CrossFit or in any other sport, um, it's really easy to think about like, wow, there's so much I don't know. And that's an intimidating thing. But on the flip side of that, there's also lots of things that you do know. And if you can look at the person that you're, you're working with and be like, okay, I might not have all the answers. I might not have it figured out perfectly, but can I help them? Can I help them move from where they're at now to something that's a little bit better than where they're at now? And regardless of what the discipline is, if you can answer yes to that question, then your coaching has value to that person. And so for me, um, you know, just looking at Justin on a daily basis uh, into like, you know, uh, pieces of the season into like a full game season. um, Are there areas um, that I can see uh, room for improvement in him that I feel like I can help him move the needle on? Absolutely. Are there areas where like, me seeking out some additional help from 
some other people that are uh, experts in their own field? Is there is there opportunity to include them in that process? 100%. And so that's where I kind of just try to assess, um, you know, where is Justin at as an athlete, as a person? How can I help him? And where can I benefit from other people being a part of that team? And I've, um, you know, one of the themes, even in just in this conversation is like team sports and team endeavors have been a, uh, a staple in my life for as long as I can remember. And I enjoy the process of like, accomplishing something with other people and so to include other people on the team that can elevate my coaching and that I can learn from and that can help Justin it's like a win-win-win you know it's it's mutually beneficial to all parties involved yeah I'd say it's almost like your um your your experience in the fire department like you've got a very like when I asked you I actually didn't even ask you about what your objective was I was going to like what's your objective with the coach and Justin but you had it there it's like to make him into the best athletes possible and you had that in such a top of your mind awareness that it's a, like it's a great filter for your available options because it immediately yeah. like if your objective was to create the biggest Instagram following possible maybe you would do everything but it wouldn't be best for Justin like then or for your athletes at right. Fort Vancouver like or maybe if it was to um, promote a book or something like that or to make as much money as possible maybe it wouldn't be that like it's but when your objective is to help someone as much as possible it becomes like this filter for like okay these are my options and I reduce them down to like one or two as opposed to 10 straight away so you've got that yeah. very clear vision and it's also you said about how everyone has their very specific role in the team and it's like okay mm, yeah. you do this i do this you do this and like being able to accept your limitations and really hone in on this is what i'm great at that facilitates more success over the long run absolutely yeah and it's more fun you know what i yeah. mean like like being uh being involved with a team versus just like hey it's it's all about me you know that's uh i don't i don't that just doesn't fire me up yeah it's a lonely road when it's all about you like, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and really like, like I tell Justin this all the time, I'm like, dude, I, I work for you. So like your input is, you know, in, in terms, obviously that's, that's one of the jobs. It's not the only job I do. I'm a, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I'm a, I work at, you know, and, and I'm very involved in, in CrossFit for Vancouver as an affiliate, but in terms of like Justin and my relationship, I work for him. And my job is so simple. It's like, my job is to help him become the best athlete he can be. And um, like you said, it clarifies things. It makes, it makes my job and our relationship um, much simpler than if I'm like, yeah, I coach you, but I'm also, uh, you know, um, have these other, I guess, uh, motives in working with you that I want to, I want to grow my own, you know, following or, or that type of thing. And for me, I, I, I couldn't care less about that, that type of stuff. Like I'm literally there, my job is self Justin. And, um, and that's been, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very rewarding process. It's a, it's one of those things I told him this after the first year that we worked together, 2019. Um, and he, he didn't qualify for the CrossFit games. Um, he actually got fourth, fourth place at the Granite games that year, which was like one spot out of qualifying. And I told him right then and there, I was like, Hey, if, uh, if you don't qualify for the CrossFit games next year, I want you to find a new coach because I'm, I'm confident in the fact that like, that's, that's where you're heading. And if, uh, if that doesn't happen, you know, barring some unforeseen injury or something like that, if that doesn't happen, it's on me. Right. Like, cause I know what that that's what he he's like, dude, no, no way. Like, you know, like I want to, I want to keep working together. And, and he was like, in some level it, you know, in communicating it that way, 
it puts some pressure on him because he's like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't want to have to go find a new coach if I don't qualify. But on the other side of that, I think the more important thing, and this wasn't necessarily communicated, is it just reiterated the belief that I have in his capability. Like, like I, I've known for a long time, like this guy is, this guy is capable of a lot. And I'm, my job is to figure out like, how good can he be? And, you know, uh, so I think it, me communicating like, Hey, if you don't qualify for the CrossFit games this year, uh, go find a new coach. Maybe there was a little bit of pressure there, but more than that, it was like, there's a strong level of belief that like, yes, you are capable of this and I'm invested in making that happen. Um, or helping you make that happen. It's, I mean, it's, it's all about him. It's uh, like, I'm, I'm invested in helping you make that happen. And um, yeah, that's something that we've always kind of stuck to. And even this year, you know, fast forward to Justin winning the CrossFit games. We didn't talk about winning the CrossFit games all year. We talked about like, Hey, how do we, how do we get better? How does the 2021 Justin, um, you know, outperform the 2020 version. And if we focus on that, like doesn't guarantee anything at the CrossFit games, but uh but I like our chances. It sets us up for an opportunity to have a pretty awesome, awesome year. I've got so many follow-up questions from that. You you picked apart like so many, or you you point you pulled out so many points that aren't to help pick apart there. Um, <laughs> when did you first see his potential? When did you see him go like this dude's got something? Oh man, can you hear me? Okay, I think my yeah, my headphones might be yeah, I can hear you fine. On the fritz. Okay, cool. Right on. Uh, when did I first see the potential in Justin? Uh, I mean, it was there before I ever started working with Justin. He, he qualified and competed uh, at the West regional when he was still in high school. So, I mean, the, the potential, like it, it's always been there and it's uh, it's not something that one day um, I was just like, Oh wow, this guy could be good. It was, it was something that, you know, and I'm not, I, I, I take no credit in the, in Justin's potential as an athlete. Right. Uh, that's, that's something that, um, you know, he's, he's had, and I tell him too, I'm like, man, you, you could have, you could have done anything and, and won the CrossFit games. I like to think that hopefully I've, I've played some, some sort of positive role in that, in that journey, but, um, but it's not because of me for sure. Um, and then I think, uh, like when we first started working together, there was, there was that potential, but it wasn't, that wasn't why we started working together. It was literally Justin's the attitude that he brought into the relationship of like, yeah, I'm, I want to, I want to get better. I got a couple of years to make this goal happen. And I want to, I want to put everything I'm willing to, to work really hard at it. And I didn't make it easy for him. Right. I was like, um, gave him some, some challenging, uh, I guess just even from the start of the relationship of like, Hey, write me a letter to, to tell me who you are, what are your values? What are you about? What are your goals? Who are you looking for in a coach, um, to, uh, to kind of like start the process. And then I, when we first started working together, I was like, okay, cool. Um, let's do this, but you're going to have to figure out a way to come to Vancouver, Washington and train here in person. Um, and those are obstacles that I was like, man, I don't know if, if he's, uh, if he wants to, or is why capable you, of making this. Why did you give him that kind of gauntlet? Why do you say, okay, you're going to like, I want to see this. Um, so initially it was because I had stopped, uh, you know, I competed in the, in CrossFit, uh, on a team for 10 years. And in 2018, uh, even before 2018, I had decided that this is going to be my last year, um, just so that I can prioritize some other areas of my life, uh, specifically my family and, uh, CrossFit Fort Vancouver. And so when he first reached out, I didn't have any interest in doing it at all. Um, in fact, actually it was uh, our mutual friend who was like, he had reached out to me three times and was like, Hey, I have this buddy, Justin, you guys should work together. And 
again, I wasn't interested. And so after he kind of kept calling me, he called me three times and was like, Hey, you should do this. And, um, eventually I was like, cool, I'll have a conversation with him. And then, uh, you know, uh, I just was like, Hey, write me a letter of who you are and this type of thing, thinking he's a college kid. He's probably not going to do that. And, uh, this isn't something that, that I'm probably going to move forward with. And it wasn't that I don't like coaching, obviously, but I just, I'm not really interested in like, I've never, I've never been passionate about remote coaching. Um, because I really like the human interaction of being with somebody in person. I don't think that I'm great at like online or remote coaching for that reason. Um, so, uh, it was, it was one of those things where eventually we had this conversation said, Hey, write this letter. I didn't think he would do it. I thought that would be the end of it. That would probably be our last conversation. He did it. He wrote a letter, sent it back the next day. And I was like, wow, this guy is not your average 21 year or 19 year old, I think at the time. And, um, and at that point, I still wasn't super interested because my wife, Lauren, had had supported and sacrificed so much over the years so that I could compete in CrossFit. Um, but then I, uh, I showed her the letter that he wrote and she read it and she was like, you should do it. And I was super surprised because um, I didn't think that was something that she was going to want me to do. Yeah, seriously. And uh, I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I, I think uh, I think you'd love it and I think you'd be good at it. And so that's uh, that's how we started together. And then you know, we were like, okay, let's, uh, let's use the early 2019 and the 2019 open that year, I think it was in March, February, March or whatever. And, um, we're like, Hey, we'll use this as kind of like our, our dating and we'll, uh, we'll try it out. We'll see where this goes. And if we're going to work together ongoing, like got to come out here to Vancouver and train in person. And, uh, I knew that all of those were a, a huge ask for a, for a college kid. And, uh, turns out he, he delivered and he followed through on, on all of them. Yeah. Like what was in that letter? That he write? Um, he talked about uh, who he was, his background. Um, you know, he had grown up playing sports. He grew up as a wrestler. He'd gone to Boise State um, University to wrestle. And when he showed up on campus, they had cut the wrestling program. And so he was like, he was like, oh, well, I guess I'll put a little more focus into CrossFit, uh, which was definitely a flip of the script because he had um, he had started uh, doing CrossFit to help him in wrestling, right? Uh, and that was that was the reason he had, he had been doing CrossFit. And then he started competing in CrossFit. Wrestling was kind of taken away from him when he went to college. So he was like, well, I guess by default, I'm going to focus on CrossFit. And then the main things that like really um, impressed me about him from the beginning was like, um, you know, he, he talked about why he liked to compete and he talked about the value of uh, his family in that whole process. And they'd, they'd been with him, you know, and supporting him from the very beginning and how important family was to him and just in his life as a priority. He also wasn't like, you could tell his identity wasn't um, completely wrapped up in just being an athlete. He was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to continue going to college. I'm going to get my degree. And in that process, I actually have the freedom and flexibility in my life to be able to dedicate um, a lot of time and effort into training while still at the same time being a student. Yeah. Why um, is it important to you that he had interest outside CrossFit? Um. I just, I, I really like the fact that he, uh, he was, he's from the very beginning, he's very self-aware and he's not just like, Oh, I think I'm the best CrossFitter and I'm going to, I'm going to go win the CrossFit games. Right. And there are people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that's not a great attitude to have, um, like that, that works for some people. Um, but for, for Justin, I like the fact that he's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but in the next couple of years, I'm willing to work as hard as I can to, um, to make this goal of 
being a CrossFit athlete. And even then he felt like he wasn't, he, he never, he really never considered CrossFit being a CrossFit athlete as like a career um, until after, like after he won the filthy 150 semifinal or, or sanctional in Ireland. Um, so it wasn't like his life was defined just by CrossFit. He was still a, you know, a student, uh, a member of his family that he loved and values so much that it was like, man, this guy just, he, he's humble and he's got a great um, demeanor, a level of self-awareness. And he's, he's a person that like, you know what? I was fortunate enough to compete in CrossFit for a long time. Um, over the course of the 10 years that we went to the CrossFit Games, I had 25 different teammates that, that represented CrossFit Fort Vancouver from our like literally true affiliate team, people from our team, like from our gym coming up and, and competing and representing our, our affiliate at the CrossFit games. And we had some good teams and we had some teams that like, we were happy to make it to the games. But, um, you know, I felt like through all those experiences, like, yeah, I think I have something to offer where I can actually provide some value that can help Justin. And it's something that I'm, uh, you know, willing and excited to, to pursue. Yeah, you mentioned the filthy 150 there and I heard you say in an interview or watched you in a video or something say something like when he qualified or when he made it to the next stage his mindset shifted something like I can do this or I belong here um something that yeah I can do this I belong here as my mate um can you talk me through how you saw that shift like did you see did he see it in his language you see it in his body language you see it in his attitude the way he behaved yeah um well, yeah, I think that's still uh, a work in progress for Justin. Mm -hmm. I know that's crazy to say because he just won the CrossFit Games. But, you know, here he is, you know, he, he started doing CrossFit in seventh grade. And so he grew up, you know, watching the Matt Frasers and the Rich Fonings and the, the Pat Belliners and these type of guys, um, you know, legends in the sport. He watched them. And if you can remember what it felt like to, I don't know, like for you, but when I was a kid watching somebody like Michael Jordan play basketball, or certain athletes that you just, you know, you see them at the peak of their, of their sport and kind of that, uh, the pinnacle of athletic performance. Um, you know, they, they kind of are like, uh, I don't know, childhood superheroes. Mm -hmm. And Justin in a relatively short period of time went from that, uh, that kind of uh, environment into like all of a sudden he's in the lane next to them competing next to his childhood heroes. And so it's easy to see why at the beginning that could be very intimidating. And, you know, he, he, he often, especially early on, but I, this is one thing I love about him. He's so humble. He often sells his own capabilities short. And so the people around him, um, specifically as coaches are like, we see that like, no, you have it, you belong, you can compete at the same level of these guys, but you know, he's, these are the same guys that he's been looking up to for years. And so, you know, you can talk about that all you want, but until you're out there, you know, in the competition arena competing next to these guys and realizing like, Oh no, like I'm doing the same thing they're doing. And it turns out I'm, I'm not only keeping up, I'm, I'm, I'm holding my own right. To, to really like build that, that self-confidence to be like, yeah, I, I can do this. And even to this day, Justin didn't go into the CrossFit games being like, Oh yeah, this is, this is mine to lose or I'm going to win the CrossFit games. He just focused on what he was the whole time, which is like, Hey, I'm going to go out there and do the best that I can. I'm not going to worry about, anybody else and what they're doing but i think it is beneficial for him to know and the more he competes the more it builds his confidence to know that like mm -hmm. my best is enough right my best is enough and so going into competition you have all these question marks like can i can i do it can i compete at the level that i want to can i 
you know, hang with people on these certain workouts. And especially because the nature of Justin's training is we work on his weaknesses a lot. So when he's training, he doesn't necessarily feel that fit, right? He feels sometimes like, shoot, I'm, I'm working on the stuff that I'm not as good at. I'm working on it often. So I don't always have that much confidence, but you know, then you go out there and know that like, no matter what, if he gets to the finish mats in a, in any competition with anybody on the planet, if he gets to that finish mat and he knows like, yep, that was my best effort. It'll be, it'll be enough regardless of the outcome. I think it's so important to, that you touched on that kind of sense of belonging and it is an ongoing battle, especially when you are in an environment that's unusual to you or it's um, something you've looked at for such a long time. Are these conversations that you're having with them? Are you, are you talking about these kind of things as well as everything else that you do? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's one of the huge blessings of like, we live together when he's, when he's here in Vancouver um, and it's not a year round thing. Like he's right now, he's back in Boise. He's finished up his last semester of college um, right now. Um, but when he's here, like, you know, training is his job and he's here for that purpose. But uh, like he sits down and, you know, has family dinner with, uh, with my wife and kids and, and we talk and we just hang out. And then, you know, it gives us a great opportunity to, um, to just visit about training and about, um, you know, how things are going and, how, uh, how things went today. What are we up to tomorrow? What's on your mind? How are you feeling? What's your body feel like? Where's your head at that type of stuff. And so we get to have those conversations, um, quite a bit. And it's, it's one thing that, man, I'm dude, I super thankful for that, uh, that immediate feedback that we get to have, um, when he's here in town. Yeah. And something I hear you doing the whole time, I don't know whether you're consciously doing it or not, but you're essentially reinforcing you are good enough. Like you've said it a few times throughout the conversation, like you are good enough. You can do this. Like I see your potential. And even by throwing down that gauntlet initially, like write me a letter and prove how good you are. And you're basically saying, yeah, you are good enough. You are good enough to do this the whole time. And you're just reinforcing that. And it's, it takes a lot of skills to do that subtly without appearing kind of um cliche or like you're attending a tony robbins ceremony uh, like a seminar or something like that it's like yeah it's like you really sincerely meaning it like yeah you can do this so it's, it's really cool to see and it, it shows how you've helped coach him on a personal level as well as a fitness level which is awesome to do how are you yeah. doing for time by the way you know what i uh i just um sent a message so i'm, I'm all right yeah okay sweet cool I'm thanks right. so yeah if you want to keep it rolling we can i'm, I'm not uh yeah I'm, I'm not in a time crunch so Right. We're good. I appreciate, I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Can you tell me a few stories about his mental toughness or his, um, when you've seen his, like, uh, what I'd describe as champion's mindset in display? Uh, a few of the moments. Yeah, yeah it's stories or moments, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I look back at these years' CrossFit Games, there's 15 events. I would say his his performance, his execution on um, – 11 out of those 15 events was almost as, as flawless as it could be. Um, like if you, I don't know if there's ever such thing as perfect execution in any sport, but like, um, I think he competed, uh, you want, you want your, you want your performance and competition to, to reflect, you know, the highest level of what you're capable of. Right. And it's, uh, it's actually, you know, I don't want to say it's a rare thing, but it's, uh, it's, it's unique when it happens, you, you really have to appreciate it and, uh, and embrace it because that's not always the case in competition. If you, if you talk to many athletes, you know, and they look back on their event, what's the first thing they say? Oh, I could, if I could have done that differently, oh, I should have done this if only that. Right. And so to be able to look back at a competition and, and say that like, man, 
11 out of those 15 events really went about as well as they could. Like that is a testament to the mindset that he takes into every single event. And um, just the fact that like uh, winners, winners win, winners find a way to win. And that might not mean, you know, that they win every event and it might not even mean that they win the, the CrossFit games. But what I mean by that is like winners, uh, champions find a way to perform at the highest level possible that they can in each moment that they're out there. Um, and there's lots of examples of like responding to that for Justin, you know, I think about, um, the, the sprint event, it was like a 550 yard sprint at the games. And he, you know, he kind of got like boxed out right at the start line. He ended up, uh, just like behind a bunch of people right out of the gate and it's only 550 yards. So, you know, he's basically in like second class place in his heat right at the beginning. And his first, you know, like anybody, the first thing that came into his mind was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to lose this race. I'm last in my heat. There's four other heats, and this could be a really bad finish for me, right? And he's like swerving around trying to find, you know, some real estate to, to make up some ground, and that's not happening. And then he quickly, and this is something that he's learned over time, he quickly, uh, he quickly shifted that, oh, shoot, uh, poor me, I'm a, I'm a victim of my circumstance or whatever, he quickly shifted to that to be like, doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. I'm going to beat every person I can right now in this heat. So I'm going to try to pass one person. Right. And then I'm going to try to find my way around to pass another person. And it turned out that he finished 11th in that event overall. And was that his best finish? Absolutely not. Was he capable of finishing a little bit better? I believe that he was, but I consider that one of the biggest wins of the weekend because, uh, or of the week, I should say, because, you know, the, the possibility for him to feel sorry for himself or, you know, throw in the towel or kind of phone it in because of, you know, some, uh, some bad, whatever you want to call it, bad luck or bad circumstance at the beginning. Um, I would say that's, that's what many of us would have done had we been in his shoes at the time. But when that kind of, when those thoughts within, you know, that, that event was only a minute 15. So those thoughts crept into his head probably in the first 15 seconds. And when he, you know, out there in the CrossFit games had the awareness to realize those thoughts were happening and to just, you know, get them out of his head and focus on, Hey, what action can I take right now to make it the most of the opportunity that I'm in? And by the way, I only have, you know, 45 seconds left to do it. And for him to actually do that in the time, like that's, that's, like I said, that's, that's championship esque. That's, that's what winners do. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, Matt Fitzgerald in his book, The Comeback Quotient, is also a guest that we've had on the show. He talks about that ability to pivot, like accepting and embracing and then doing something about reality or addressing reality is like this kind of cycle that we have to go through. It's almost like the OODA loop that fighter pilots talk about, like observe, orientate, decide, act. Um, like, and the quicker you go through that loop, the quicker you can like adapt to the situation and overcome or in the sense of... Um, fighter pilots the quick you can win the dogfight is this something that you're like actively training in are there ways that you kind of throw in these um curve balls or is it something that he's learned i know he's wrestled um but is it something that you're doing it together um I, I would say a combination like i definitely think a lot of the uh the lessons that he learned from wrestling are super beneficial for him in crossfit right like um you know he he'll, he'll talk about his first year wrestling like he basically lost every match and realize like, Hey, if, if somebody else beats me, like, good job. If somebody else beats me because I didn't 
perform at the level that I'm capable of, that's on me. Right. So, you know, focusing on that, you know, it's, it's definitely something that is talked about all the time, but focus on what things are within the scope of your own control versus what is not. Um, those are some things that I think he's, he's learned a lot over the years. Um, but also conversations that we have kind of like this fairly regularly of like, um, just being honest with each other. And for me as a coach to just be honest with him, you know, even in training and in competition when it's like, okay, you know, this, this is something that went well, but here's a way that could be better. Here's something, here's an opportunity to improve. And he, he's like probably the most coachable person I've ever been around because he doesn't get like, uh, emotionally, um, I don't know what the right word would be emotionally offended by, I don't want to say being called out, but by being corrected or coached. And, uh, and he's, he just, he takes it in stride and he's like, thank you. Like, cool. And, you know, I, I think about even literally last year uh, in 2020, we were driving back from the games and like, we're always looking for opportunities. Like if, if I'm being honest about, Hey, I'm, I want you to be as good as you can be. And I want to help you do that. Then you don't know when those opportunities are going to come. And uh, we were leaving the 2020 CrossFit Games and uh, he happened to be driving at the time and uh, somebody cut him off in traffic. And, uh, you know, first reaction is like, you're pissed. Like, oh man, what the heck? You know, some people might flip him off or do something. And, um, you know, for me, it's like, shoot, life's, life's too short for that. And you just got third place in the CrossFit Games and you're letting some stranger steal your joy. And all of a sudden you're mad at them and that doesn't do anything for them. They don't even know you're mad at them. It's just you being mad. Like, like we, we don't want to let, uh, let somebody do that. Right. And that, that maybe that's a, a bad example. I don't know, but examples like that are extremely, um, worthwhile in competition, in training, um, in like, just, Hey, this is, this is the circumstances that I'm in. Uh, that guy cut me off. Um, I wish he didn't do that, but it's all good. It's not gonna, it's not gonna affect my, mindset or the amount of joy or um yeah just the experience that i'm having because i know who i am and what i'm about and somebody cut me off in traffic can't can't take that away from me right somebody swerving in front of me in a in a sprint at the games yeah it maybe it's not ideal but it's not going to change the fact that i'm going to try to um you know beat every other person that i possibly can and and score as many points in this event as i can because i know that's going to contribute to the overall outcome at the end of the day yeah, like, I think that's incredible because what I think the way that we do the best we possibly can, the way we fulfill our potential is essentially by seeing the world as truthfully as it actually is and seeing it without this kind of emotional lens or not without the emotional lens, seeing emotion for what it is, which is just another element of experience. Like you don't want to become like a automaton and just like not be able to experience emotion because right. it's, it's useful. But like what you're teaching him to do there and what you're, the conversations you're having is basically like, oh, this is the situation. This is what, like, this is how, and how he reacts in those moments is how you react when it really counts, when you're in those kind of events at the, at the games or life events outside of that. That gives you the opportunity to be in control. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, that's uh, I think that's, you know, especially for, like, uh, this audience and also for, like, you know, 95, 99% of the people that I coach or interact with personally, like, those lessons are not unique to a CrossFit Games championship level athlete those are like you know those are those are everyday kind of life um just approaches that i think have value for all of us right because we all have situations literally every day where things annoy us or frustrate us or this or that and it's like okay 
well, those things happen, they're part of life, but how do I respond to it? Right. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's one area that I think CrossFit is amazing at developing is, is, you know, our, our own, um, uh, I guess just kind of personal outlook in situations in addition to the obvious results that are physical. Yeah. Yeah. Doing difficult things together has this incredible ability to not only bond human beings, but also like encourage you to, um, to find your next level or to address your limitations. Um, so yeah, the CrossFit definitely has that ability to do that. And if it transfers over, like what you're really doing, there's this, there's this model of development, right? Called Piagetian development where um, this guy Piaget is like, okay, if babies learn by reaching out their arm, it has a small effect on the world. And then they realize that, oh, if I do this, I achieve this goal. Maybe I, I move around my toy or something like that. And then all this builds into like bigger and bigger and bigger goals. And part of CrossFit, is doing these things better and becoming a better like kind of athlete or weightlifter and it all feeds into like oh i'm trying to become a better person like on top of the hierarchy is like i'm trying to be a better person and this filters down to everything else that i do at a small level it seems like you you guys are doing that no i i couldn't agree more like it all it all builds toward becoming a better person because um you know i, I assume you've probably experienced this uh and i know i have and you know, anybody that's been doing CrossFit for a decade uh, or more probably is in the same boat. And maybe it doesn't even take that long in some scenarios, but it's like, okay. Um, you know, I competed in CrossFit for a long time. When I go into the gym, I'm actually not trying to necessarily set PRs, right? Because I know that right now I, I work out an hour a day um, with uh, whatever class that uh, it makes sense for my, my schedule to jump into. And when I'm doing that, I, I understand that I'm probably not going to surpass the results that I had when I was training, you know, two, three sessions yeah. a day, and built my life around competing. Right. And I am 1000% okay with that because the value for me in going in and doing a class workout with, you know, my friends and family every day is like, I'm a better person because of it. Right. I'm a, I, I break a sweat, have a great time. Um, don't get me wrong. I go into the pain cave. I just might not be doing Fran in, you know, two minutes or whatever. Um, and I, uh, I really value the role that CrossFit or fitness plays in my life because like I said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more fun to be around. I'm more patient. I'm, uh, you know, I, I think more clearly, um, I have better balance. And so that's, that's the value, um, that fitness has in my life at this point. It's not just about performance. Performance is great. And chasing performance is, definitely um something that's uh that's worthwhile and has value but at the end of the day you know we all at some point are not going to continue to improve our performance and and i don't know exactly when that's going to happen and i'm not saying that to be negative or to you know not knock people down from their goals but at the same time like there has to be more to it than just performance yeah like i suppose that's the mental health versus mental fitness trade-off it's like if you're doing it just for mental fitness it's like maybe it pays off in a couple of years to just destroy everything that you hold sacred all your relationships to burn every bridge and just okay i'm gonna like maybe that will get you to the podium maybe that will get you to your next level maybe that even business sense maybe that will get you to your promotion or whatever but like when that's finished where does that leave you as a human as a as a kind of a, an emotional human being like what does that make you at the end of the day yeah well, I think like, I think a great example of that is Matt Fraser, like, you know, for years, he was very singularly focused on, you know, being the fittest man on the planet. 
and nobody has ever done it better than him. And, you know, his circle that helped him with that is very close and still to this day is, but at this point, he's in a, a similar boat of like, okay, I did that. That was a part of my life. That was amazing. I'm glad I got to do it. But now how can I use that to like share and give back and, uh, and develop in other areas of my life that I had to put on hold while I was singularly focused on becoming the fittest on earth. And, uh, and man, I, I just, I would really appreciate the example that he sets in that, uh, you know, how we approach things. Cause, um, I think that it's easy to kind of take ourselves too seriously, whether that's in fitness or in our job or whatever it is. Um, but having life balance is that, that piece that like, um, you know, CrossFit or just fitness in general is so uh, beneficial in, in maintaining and developing our own mental health. Yeah. It seems like he's kind of, he was very conscious in the way he went, okay, right. I'm putting the business side of things. I'm putting like maybe friendships and partying and all, all the kind of stuff that goes along with being a human being. I'm putting that to one side and, but I'm going to come back to it at some point. I'm going to explore these other avenues as opposed to, I can't have any of that and I'm just going to chuck it away and never come back to it. It seems like he's really conscious about that. You said something about my phrase, which God, sorry, you're about to say something. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I think he was just very intentional about like, okay, that other stuff is important to me. Um, and I'll, I'll pursue those things when the time is right. Yeah. right Still now. managed to explore a lot of coffee though, I think in this time, like he's a coffee <laughs> connoisseur, right? Yeah. That, I think that could, maybe that's performance related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's any PEDs, I think it's caffeine related. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you said about Matt Fraser, like when he was competing, no one else stood a chance. Um, why was that? Like, I think you said that when you, you and Justin were with him on a four day camp. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of those things where like everybody likes to say they work hard, but, um, you know, getting a glimpse of like what Matt, what Matt's day-to-day looked like, I was like, nope, this guy not only is, is outworking people, he's doing it in such an te- intelligent way that like, you know, he has that, that combination of, you know, whatever you want to call it, God-given ability with being at the right place at the right time, with being willing to work really hard with um, just having like, I don't think there's anybody in the space that has a, uh, a more uh, intelligent approach to training and competing than Matt. And so that, that combination is just like, and I mean, the guy also has this experience level where he knows himself better than anybody else knows themselves. He's competed for this long. It's like, it's easy to see why he was so successful, so successful year after year. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, you get this feeling from watching him as well. Like I've never interacted with him personally, but like you get this feeling and you can kind of pick it up when, when you see it, it's like something that in, in the back of your mind, like the kind of the human part goes, Oh, okay. I recognize that. That's something that I need to aim at or something that's exemplifying like a great human being. Yeah. Yeah. Or you look at, I mean, you look at Tia, what she's doing now yeah. and it's like, dude, like, you know, I, I don't know what all the factors are as to why she is, the person and the athlete that she is, but, um, man, I don't think anybody out there, I don't think anybody watching the games was like doubting the fact that Tia was capable of winning the CrossFit games this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I was, I was desperately trying to find betting services that would take on bets for Tia winning. (laughs) Like that's, that's where my money's going. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Good luck getting much payout there. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'd have to put my life savings on it and get like $10. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there, there are two people that I'd love to like pick apart these stories and like, and get them on the show at some point, like that'd be fascinating just to go, okay, like, how did you become that person? Like, what, what was your experience? I think that'd be a a really cool conversation. Um, 
couple more questions then i'll let you get on with your day um so i i've also heard of you you heard you talking about this kind of three-day focus like you're kind of really only focused on like okay three days of programming at a time or three days at the time just to see what's like and also you said something like oh, okay what can we get better at today like what's the focus to say how can i improve today and how are you balancing that kind of long-term focus with the kind of immediate three days um that's that's a great question the best thing for balancing the long-term focus is competition because it gives us like very uh very real and uh, immediate, pertinent, relevant feedback right out of the gate. Like, you know, we look at all of Justin's competition events and it's like, okay, there's a, what can we do, you know, so that in training you're more prepared to compete next time, you know, in, in this example of events and, and not just the ones that he's competing in, but there are other things that didn't come up that we know he has room to improve. So I would say the competitions help us to build kind of the, the more, big picture plan, you know, what is it, you know, from him going, getting first at the 2021 CrossFit games, um, what are we going to do in the next, we, we have the season right now broken down into like, he had a little mini off season. Um, and then he's got basically a couple months and he'll compete in rogue and then he'll have another off season. And then we'll start to kind of ramp things back up, um, to prepare for like August of next year. Now, obviously that doesn't mean he's overlooking the open or quarterfinals or semifinals, but again, like the goal uh, is for him to continue to improve daily so that, you know, in July, August next year, he's at his peak fitness, the fittest he's ever been again. Um, and then the day-to-day -day stuff is like, okay, we're not just programming a bunch of workouts for him to do for the sake of doing them. Like every piece has, and intent every piece has a reason for why we're doing it and it's important that he knows that so he's not just like showing up to work out and going through the motions he's like no this is why i'm doing this piece and this is what i'm trying to accomplish and sometimes that means that yeah he's he's you know uh suffering and just going into the pain cave and, and working as hard as he can other times it's like yeah no we're, we're working on the skill or the technique um of those types of things and some of that is maybe pre-planned as far as like hey what is this exact intent and then some of that is like if you know, when we're together and I can be there to watch a session, it's like, okay, that's how this interval or this round went on this next one. I want you to focus on this or, or, you know, that, that type of thing. So yeah, there's, there's that big picture element of like, how do we plan for a whole season? But then the day-to-day -day of like, okay, let's make sure that every piece that you're doing has a, has an intent and you understand that what that is and you go out and execute on it. That's really cool to hear. And also relating the long-term vision to the in the moment, this is why you're doing it is so important. It's such a big step that so many people miss out when they begin struggling. It's just like they either get overwhelmed by now or overwhelmed by the future and they don't connect the two things together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where I heard that, this, but I remember, um, and I think it's kind of, you said you have military background, so you can probably, you can probably relate, but um, you know, when people, uh, when people throw in the towel on something like a marathon or something that just seems overwhelming, you know, which can be related to say a CrossFit game season. It's like, it's never like that step, that next step. You're like, Oh, I can't take one more step. It's like, you know, the fear of all the other steps that are going to come after that mm -hmm. and, those, and those types of things. So, you know, in the CrossFit game season, it's absolutely grueling, right? It's challenging in the day to day. There's lots of times where you're questioning like, man, why am I doing this? And, and, uh, is it working? And, and, uh, that type of thing. So the more um, specific we can make each of the pieces that he's training for, the more um, intentional we can be with that, the easier it is for him, him to get his mind around like, yeah, this is why I'm doing this. This is important. This has value. Even though I'm, 
you know, I might not feel like um, progressing in my fitness. That's part of the process. And when you're in the tunnel, sometimes it's hard to like, you know, step back and have that perspective and see it. Yeah. Like those lows, those emotional, like roller coaster moments, those depths are inevitable. Whenever you're doing something challenging, whenever you're doing something difficult, like that is part of the burden you take on. Like, how are you as a coach dealing with those moments when they, when they do come up? Uh, when he's having those, those yeah. moments. Oh man. That's, that's something that, um, I think it depends. That's a, uh, yeah. the, the, the like non-committal answer. It depends. Um, no, it, it really does. And, you know, I'll, I'll think about like, let's say a month out from this year's CrossFit games. And he was, you know, he's, he's in that, you know, your body doesn't feel great when you're at that point. Cause you're just doing a lot. You're not, you're not training with that kind of volume leading up or, you know, the whole year that you are leading up to the games. Cause the games is as much about, you know, being able to recover from 15 events as it is being fit. And so there's, there's a pretty high training volume at that point. And like my job at that point is just to, um, to give him as much confidence as I possibly can. Right. And that doesn't mean like lie to him and tell him, Oh, you're amazing. And that was great. When, if that wasn't the case, but like the confidence of like, yeah, I get it. That doesn't, you don't, you're sore. You don't feel like that was your best performance, but like, this is why we're doing this. And it's part of the process. Once we, you know, once we uh, take some time off and recover and taper a little bit leading up to the games, you'll be glad you did all of this stuff. Right. Um, and so really just, just trying to, um, trying to continue to get him to buy into the fact that like he can do what we know he can do, um, what he's capable of. Yeah, reminding him of the big picture. Um, yeah, reminding him of the big picture. And then and then the other thing is um, you know, accountability. Like if there is times where like, you know, uh somebody's attitude isn't what it should be, or if if there's uh an excuse or something like that, and that's pretty rare for Justin, like that doesn't happen a lot, but just being accountable uh, or being honest to have like that's part of my job is to like, you know, have this outside perspective of like, no, this is uh this is like something that you were bringing that can be better and let's uh let's make sure that you know tomorrow it is um so so there's that there, there's that balance but like at the end of the day he knows that like i want i want him to you know to be as successful as he can be as an athlete and uh i have confidence that he's capable of so much and i'm also not gonna like sugarcoat it if i see something i'm gonna say something and uh that's that's just kind of the, the relationship that um, that we have a trust for one another that I think takes time to, to develop. Awesome. So final question, just to wrap things up. Um, I'm interested in mental health in, in all kinds of areas. What kind of things do you do on a kind of frequent basis, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly or even annually, do you do that kind of, oh, this puts me in the right headspace? Uh, for me personally? Yeah. Mm, that's a great question. Uh, I think there's a, there's probably a, a number of things that I do that maybe aren't even like conscious decisions for my mental health, but, um, a couple that are probably the most, uh, prominent for me. Number one is like, I am, um, a man of faith, like my, my Christian faith and belief in God is, uh, is like super central to who I am as a person. And I believe that my purpose on the earth is, um, to, basically glorify God and bless others. And I've found, you know, my job as CrossFit, uh, as a CrossFit coach 
to be the best way to do that with the gifts that I've been given. Um, and so just uh, staying true to who I am, that means um, I do practice my faith through like, um, not always daily, but, but very consistent uh, reading or spiritual growth, because I think that's a big part of things for me. And then the other way that I express that, the other two ways that I express that is um, just making sure that I'm, I'm present with my family, being a dad, being a husband, and making sure that I'm, I'm uh, contributing in that area of my life for the people that are, uh, that are most important, that I love the most and are counting on me. And then I love getting outside and like just being in nature. And so, um, you know, challenging myself physically. Um, I, I enjoy trail running. I enjoy, like I said, just being outside and, and doing things, whether it, it can be solo, usually it's with other people. Um, because I think no matter what we do, like fitness or, um, you know, our job, our career, uh, faith, whatever you fill in the blank, uh, it's always better done in community. Um, or in my, in my, uh, in my mind as part of a team. And so I always enjoy that, but yeah, between my faith, my family and, um, you know, fitness, especially outside in nature, those are kind of things that I think really fill me up and allow me to, to, to have the life balance that, that makes me passionate about doing the things that I'm doing and, and not, you know, kind of getting burnt out or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. I saw, um, quite a few photos of, of you wielding ice axes and crampons. So there's, uh, <laughs> out in those cascades or similar yeah you're a climber too or a skier right yeah i do some ski mountaineering and and like yeah, Dude, I, uh, i'm just a, i'm just a novice man i'm i'm uh i could learn a lot from you i'm sure <laughs> well i've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> made a lot of mistakes well, um, um yeah i'm out in bc in february so if i'm if i'm around i'll i'll make sure to drop into fort vancouver if i can get over the border yeah i don't know uh yeah, I don't know what the border will be like at that time, but if there's any way you could, uh, I'll ski across. Yeah, you ski, ski across. Oh, that would be awesome, man! I would love it. you'd definitely be uh, be welcome at our gym anytime. And if uh, honestly, mindset coaching is something that uh, I think, man, we could we when I say we, I'm I'm saying as like the CrossFit affiliate community could there's there's a huge opportunity for us to improve people's lives. Um, by talking about this stuff and so yeah i don't, I don't know what what your uh, what your day-to-day looks like but if you're ever in the area and you want to just like you know uh get some people together and talk about some of that stuff we'd love to have you at our gym yeah anytime. i'd love to man i'd love to yeah we get I'll, I'll uh i might send you a message about that because it's in the long-term vision so yeah, um, yeah we'll get there then all right Adam, thank you so much for your time today cool tom thank you thanks for having me man thank you i'm tom foxley Thank you for listening to the Limitless Athlete Podcast. If you want to follow Adam on Instagram, his handle is at Adam Neifer. That's N-E-I-F-F-E-R. Following this episode, we'll be releasing the debrief, a summary of the wisdom within this conversation and practical steps to applying it in order to enhance your own mindset. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so you can begin growing the mindset of a limitless athlete. If you're on iTunes, a five-star review is super helpful too. For further mindset training resources and tools, head to mindsetrx.com or find us on Instagram by searching for at mindsetrx. That's mindsetrxd. Embrace hardship and training this week and don't forget to tune in next week where we'll be talking to mental performance coach and incredible author Matt Fitzgerald where we'll be discussing how to gain control of your mental state.